And these are the people that care about you the most, you know, your bros. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, the show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom in your life. Today, I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostess, a man who puts the quick into QuickBooks. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we're going to share with you how we leverage trade shares, yes, old school in-person events to develop profitable leads for the business. Ian, what's the news, man? I, I guess you've had a long day. Tell us about it. It's been a long day, buddy. Well, I think we're going to get into that and the meat and potatoes, but I've been pounding the pavement in Las Vegas. Did the uh, did the San Diego to Las Vegas, Las Vegas to San Diego in one day thing. I was, uh, I was sitting at the bar um, having a nice cold beverage on the way out of Las Vegas today, and uh, this guy was sitting next to me, and he says, man, I must be a sucker for coming and leaving Las Vegas in one day. And I said, man, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> you roll so well. Hey, uh, I just want to, in terms of the news, you know, we are absolutely recording this podcast at the last minute every week. And part of the reason we can do that is we just drop it into Dropbox. Uh, and Ben from authorityengine.com literally picks it up and does everything in our process to make it look like our team internally, like posted it, wrote the copy, did the pictures and everything. It's just cool. And I wanted to give him a shout because we're late this week and we're sort of Busting them up a little bit. I know. Sorry about that, Ben. But I appreciate what you're doing at AuthorityEngine.com. He's got some pretty high-profile clients now, and uh, it works for the LBP. Let's move on to the iTunes reviews, shouts, and questions. See, Ben automatically puts in the applause right now. I don't even have to tell him to do that. He's that smart. Dan and Ian provide more than just advice. Five stars. They offer a connection to other people who are interested in the business world. What I love about the LBP is how clear Dan and Ian's love for business is. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I hope it does. I mean, you know, one of the things we were talking a little bit about this week with all these DCers that are here in Saigon is that, you know, the enterprising spirit, the business lifestyle isn't something that sort of ought to be siloed within business. I mean, you can be an enterprising artist. You can be an enterprising writer. You can be an enterprising economist. So this idea that business somehow should be in a different building on the side of the campus uh, under the name of business admin is sort of absurd. Like the idea that you're you're doing your art, you're creating things for other people is an approach. It's a way to do things. So you'll meet it all the time. You'll see the entrepreneurial small small musician, local musician versus the local musician who's angry about life and doesn't understand how to create value for other Which people. Which one did you used to be? A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> You know, part of it is, you know, I thought that business guys were these jerks. You know, I didn't think it was cool to do business. I thought that that was like some kind of lower form of existence. But what I found now as I've, I've learned about great entrepreneurs and everything is that, you know, entrepreneurs aren't business people. They're people who are passionate about whatever it is they're passionate about. And they're just sprinkling on the enterprising spirit. And that might be, you know, creating new 
delicious foods. It might be creating new radio programs like we're doing today. It might be creating the next big act in Hollywood or whatever. But it's really about taking what you think is valuable in the world and sprinkling that enterprising spirit on top of it. And that's why I absolutely love this stuff. So speaking of the enterprising spirit, let's sprinkle some of that on the meat and potatoes this week. We're going to talk about trade shows and low blows. Hey, it's tough to go to a trade show and to hustle up business. And we're going to talk about how we're – you just did that today. All day long, I want to do a little interview with you. So first off, tell me about your history with trade shows. Why why even think about going to a conference or a trade show? So yeah, me and you actually have some trade show history. So, uh, and I'm not sure if we've talked about this before on the LBP, but uh, you and me, we've hit the trade show circuit a couple times, pounded the pavement. And so uh, we, uh, we kind of got back to our roots today, went out to Las Vegas and uh, pounded the pavement at the trade show. So I will say this, uh, we've been in this uh, portable bar industry for a, about a year and a half and we went to a trade show today. And this was the first trade show that we attended in the industry. And I must say, Dan, we have waited too long. Um, my advice uh, to other LBP listeners out there, if you're thinking about getting into an industry and that industry has a trade show or many trade shows, uh, or you just recently got into that industry, go to the trade shows as soon as possible. Dan, after going to this trade show today, I really wish that we went last year because we've gone a whole year not knowing a lot of valuable, valuable information that I learned today. You know, one of the things about it is a lot of people that do business the way we do, our like mini trade shows is the Google search results. Yes. You know, like we hang out on like, like three or four key term phrases and we look at the top 10 results and we're like, that's the industry. Well, what we found is when you actually walk the floor of these shows, you see the industry in a much more robust fashion. You see how things really sort out, who's really making the money and what the opportunities really are. Exactly. So uh, today, before we even attended the trade show, we had a, a um, we had a meeting set up with a consultant in the industry. And so we sat down with this consultant today and he explained to us exactly how a lot of the purchasing goes down. And so that was really valuable. And uh, that's my first tip for trade shows is if you're going to go show up, spend the time and money to uh, go to a trade show, try and set up some meetings. Okay. So that's a, that's something I wanted to ask you about is how do you prepare for these trade shows? I mean, it's probably pretty easy to identify maybe what's going on in your industry and maybe to get a pass to those things. But what do you do in advance? How did you hook up with this consultant, for example? It was kind of luck. So I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to give us too much credit. But he had contacted us a couple weeks ago. We did a project for him, and then uh, we asked him if he was going to be at this trade show. He actually wasn't at the same trade show we were at. He was at uh, one kind of across the street. But we decided to meet because we're in Vegas. <laughs> Gotta at the love same Las time. Vegas. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> So, Dan, I think one of the critical things to talk about here is um, why we decided to go to this trade show uh, and walk the floor versus attend the trade show. And uh, attending the trade show generally means in this day and age that you're going to have to pay union workers to move your stuff around. You're going to have to have a booth. You're going to have to have a bunch of signage. You're going to have to ship your products in, stuff like that. Um, and that can be very expensive. Uh, I heard a couple of guys today throw around the number of $10,000. Like, you can't show up to one of these trade shows uh, at the convention center for less than $10,000. Okay, so let's make the distinction clear. You're talking about having a booth at the trade show versus just being an attendee. Correct. And so as an attendee today, we paid $0. We did it to see if it makes sense to pay $10,000 next year. And so what we did right. this year was we told the event organizer, hey, 
if we're going to show up to your trade show at some point, we need to understand what it's like there. We need to walk the show. We need to see if our competition's there. We need to see if our customers are there. And, and that will help us to make a decision whether or not we're going to invest $10,000. This isn't always the case, but the event uh, coordinator was very cool and she gave us free passes. So all it, uh, all it took was some, some uh, spirit airline tickets. So here's the question, you know, nine times out of 10, I'll go to a trade show and say, I am so glad that I didn't have a booth. Um, do you feel like after having attended this show that you you could have made your money back had you had a booth there? That's a question that we asked ourselves at the end of the day. And I think we still don't have a really good answer to it. Uh, we learned a ton and we're getting into this in a minute. We talked to all of our competitors we talked to some potential buyers of our product, but I still don't have a good idea whether or not we should drop the 10 grand next year. I do have a, a good idea, Dan, of how many products we would have to sell to make that back, and it doesn't sure. seem like a lot. So I'm leaning towards yes. One of the things about these trade shows, and we, we've advocated this in our Get Paid or Get Laid episode, and we'll link to that on this, the episode 147 of the LBP, and that we really talked about this way that you approach people and do sort of a cold approach at a trade show. One of the things is that people don't want to be sold on stuff at trade shows. So what was your approach when you walk up to people? They're spending $10,000. They're there to sell their stuff. What's your approach when you walk up to these people and what you're really trying to do is sell your stuff? Okay, so this is this is this is pretty complicated if you've never been to a trade show before, but what you're trying to do at the trade show if you're not exhibiting there is you're trying to cold approach other people that are exhibiting there that could potentially use your product. So I'll give you an example. At this trade show, um, there's liquor companies and liquor companies use portable bars. And so these liquor companies are um, are basically exhibiting at the show and you have to figure out a creative way to approach these liquor companies and say, hey, we're not here um, at the show uh, exhibiting. We're going to take your time and you're trying to sell yes. us a business and we're going to try and sell you on our product. That's a, that's a, that's a hard one. And I'm going to have to give props to my boy, Alistair. I went with Alistair today and I think he had a great, what I'll call pickup line. And his pickup line was, how do you market your product? That was his opening line to these guys. And I think that's really clever because everyone's defense is down when you ask them that. Uh, they don't know if you're a marketing company um, they don't know if you're another beverage company. They don't know who you are. And it's an, kind of an interesting question to ask people. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, like in the Get Paid or Get Laid episode, we actually walk through a sequence that looks very similar to what Neil Strauss lays out in the game as what these guys, they went out and they like approached hundreds and hundreds of potential dates and bars. And they laid out like what they thought was the best opening sequence. And it was weird to me that my opening sequence that I use at these trade shows in the same exact situation you and Alistair were in today looked very much like a classic pickup at a bar. You sort of walk in, you let them know that you're not a threat, you let them know that you're going to leave soon, you give some social pressure or give some social proof like, hey, uh, we do work for this these guys that are really big and they're right across the way um, and I'm curious to learn a little bit about you. What did you learn from these interactions? What was your goal? Did you try to get their business card? Uh, did you try to get them to give you the name of the buyer? What was your, your desired outcome? Correct. Both and both. So we had a couple tools with us when we went to this uh, when we went to the show today. Uh, we had a binder and it was full of some of our previous work. And it was really easy to flip the pages. So there was five pages in there. Um, and it was, it was very easy to see what was going on in each of the pages. It didn't take any explanation. There was big numbers. There was big pictures. Uh, within about... 10 seconds, you could flip from the front of the book to the back of the book, and they could understand 
uh, in a nutshell what your business was about. So once we got them to opt in, we would open up this folder and we would show them uh, some of our past and previous work and then we would explain qu quickly what our capabilities are. And yes, Dan, the goal is to get them to either uh, give you their business card if they're in a position to make a purchase like that or to get them to hand off the information of the person that is in a position to make uh, that kind of decision. And we were uh, pretty successful in getting both of those today. So the, the, the move that I generally would do is take their card, flip it over, and then write down the name of the person that's in charge of that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'll take that a step further. One of the tricks that I have too is that not only do we write down uh, the name of the person that they referred us to, but we write down something interesting that they said. Right, something that's going to yes. jog their memory to our uh, previous conversation. Because you can imagine these guys are scanning badges, they're taking cards. I mean, probably hundreds of emails after the show. So you've really got to reference something specific to your conversation and get them to tell you something unique so you can reference that again in the email. And I think a lot of times you'll have a better response rate. And it's a great point too. Like if you're talking to Robert at the show who tells you that Mary's the purchasing agent, you want to make sure that you know that, hey, Mary, Robert sent me your way. Correct. That's a, uh, that's a warm lead, right? And that also shows social proof. So did you encounter a lot of awkward situations or resistance? And how did you overcome those events? There's a lot of liquor and alcohol at the show. So uh, <laughs> I think everybody was in general was in a good mood. It was it was a really interesting show because, um, you know, shots are getting poured. There's there's beer everywhere. It's a very, very different vibe than a lot of the shows that you and I have been to, Dan. Um, and no, actually, we didn't encounter any resistance whatsoever. Uh, people That's were, fantastic. Yeah, people were really responsive and, and receptive. So what approach did you use then when it was time to talk to competing companies or companies that might have similar interests in the marketplace? What did you do there? When we approach them, we say right off the bat, hey, I'm Ian from X company. Uh, we produce X product. Are you familiar with us? And the answer four out of four times was yes, we're familiar with you. And then uh, I think it's important to talk to them about their product, um, and is it? You know, I'm not going to learn anything about talking about my product. And a lot of times, these guys are still interested, even though they're your competition, about talking about their product. What I try to do is just be as honest as possible and as guarded as possible with the information I give out, and try and get as much information as I can from our competition. And I think today we we're fairly successful at that. And I don't mean that, Dan, in like a scummy way. You want to know which, on which fronts are you competing and on which fronts are there potential for cooperation. I mean, we've had a lot of success with the olive branch because, and I want to encourage like all you internet marketers out there, we want you to get to these conferences. This is sort of part of our like uh, the cold call and, and the trade show and, and just bringing it down to real life. This whole idea of, of understanding your competition and working with them, I mean, first of all, they're going to be the first people that are going to want to buy your company or that could know somebody that want to buy it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that only your competition knows about the marketplace. And so um, maybe if they're in a distressed situation, you would be the first person that they would reach out to. Or um, in the case of us, like we have better mass production capabilities. So I wouldn't be surprised if sometimes if, if they had a huge deal on their plate that they might need to reach out with us uh, to us in order to cooperate on stuff like that. So if you never broached that conversation because you were worried about exposing something, you would never be exposed to all these opportunities that come about from having that sort of back channel open. You know, it's sort of like uh, in the Cold War, how the Russians and the Americans, they sort of had the red phone. So you could kind of call up to Moscow and be like, are you guys like, is it really true what they said on the news? Right. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. it's like, I saw... 
I saw that Google alert, guys. Is that true? Is that new blog post true? Or is that, you know, I mean, you, we have those kinds of conversations. One of the great things that came out of this trade shows, uh, we talked to one of our competitors there, and it seems like we're not really competing on the same on the same front that we thought we were. And, you know, just sitting behind the internet, you just think, well, we're, we're in the same industry. We're competing on the same front. We have very similar products. Turns out we're not. They do short run production in the US. We do mass production in China. And so they're interested in actually purchasing our product because it's high quality. They've seen it before um, and selling it to some of their customers that they can't fulfill um, at the price point that we can. And uh, I think, you know, that can be a really mutually beneficial relationship because they do some of the short run high quality stuff that we can't pull off. And if we haven't yet convinced you to to go to these trade shows in your industry, it's really important to know that, you know, this stuff would not get done over email Um, because, you know, on the, on the digital the top 10 Google list, there's sort of this oppositional quality. And plus, you know, they're getting their managers to improve those interactions where you're sort of catching the sales rep at the trade show. Um, people are prepared to be nice with each other and to sort of play nice. Um, whereas if you call up the CEO sometimes out of the blue because of something you saw on the internet, there can be this oppositional quality. So you're taking advantage of both the fact that you're in person and also that you know, sometimes you're not always dealing with people who are 100% aware of everything that's going on. I mean, they're there to share. So they might be someone in a different department or someone who's a sales rep, and they're not the owner who's sitting there boiling on about you eating their lunch. Right. So I think that's sort of an important element that you can take advantage of at these trade shows. Make some friends. And hey, you, you know, there's all kinds of things that come from this. I mean, let's say you meet a particularly engaging sales representative and maybe their business isn't doing so well. Maybe that's somebody that you could eventually bring into your business down the line and provide them with a job. Yeah, I think, uh, Dan, to wrap this up, you know, it was uh, probably one of the coolest things that we could have done. And actually, I think probably one of the best things we could have done to move our business forward. And I'm just really sorry that we didn't do it earlier on in the game. Because we learned so much today and we talked to our competition and we learned who our customers were. It was just a great day for us. Ian, it's about the fourth time today that someone in our business has said, I just wish we would have done that a little sooner. Speaking a little sooner, let's get moving on to just the tips. I know I talk about stuff very often and a lot and over and over so that you use it. Today, I will do the same. Better touch tool. Hat tip to Eric Dubbs from Bedphones. If you take the five minutes to download Better Touch Tool and install it and open it up on your Macintosh computer, you'll be able to easily do split screens, which I'm doing right now. I'm looking at my audio wavelength and on our episode note sheet. If you have two monitors, you can easily with simple keyboard shortcuts toss your Chrome browser up on the left monitor and then maximize your thing on on the other browser. It's just so simple to pre-program in cool keyboard shortcuts. And at this blog post, episode 147 rather, I will be posting what my current shortcuts are so that you can just model what I've done and get it set up in less than five minutes. Also keep in mind with the Mac, this is a simple little keyboard shortcut that I see people not doing and wasting a lot of time. Option, command, and click on the desktop minimizes all of your windows. I see people doing this all the time, Ian, where it's like they got 15 windows open and they're like, down, minimize, down, yeah. minimize, minimize. And it's like, dude, just option, command, desktop. <laughs> all right, Ian, man, I know you've had a, a ridiculous day, so I'm going to play you out with uh, a sexy tune. It's Locked Out of Heaven, the Major Laser Remix. Uh, this is a Bruno Mars track. I love Bruno Mars, man. He's a top artist in the world right now. And uh, he's got a, just a ridiculous voice, reminds me of Michael Jackson. So we've had our time in the spotlight. Hopefully uh, we can make it back next Thursday morning. Booyah!
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Sex, 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 sex